Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Jennifer Mallett joins us from Northborough, Massachusetts, where she is CEO of Level Up Your Home, a full-service commercial technology design and automation firm founded in 2016 by a group of veteran technologists with more than 40 years of experience. For the 15 years prior to launching her own company, Jennifer was the senior business manager for the custom installation and extended warranty business unit in the Americas at Bose Corporation. During that time, she gained valuable experience overseeing Bose retail stores throughout the U.S. and Canada, along with a large team of integrators. Here on the RTT podcast, we're extending Women's History Month by an extra week, specifically featuring interviews of influential female business owners in the professional home technology industry. It seems like Jen is everywhere at once these days, whether showing up as a speaker at the Kitchen and Bath Business Show, a guest panelist for the Parks Connections Conference, or on LinkedIn congratulating her Florida team on their new showroom. I'm excited to welcome her to the podcast for the first time. Jen Mallett, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've uh, followed residential tech pretty much my whole career, and it's an honor to be here. I look forward to chatting with you today and talking about our business and what we've learned, and hopefully we can share some things that are helpful. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Um, I wanted to start off just by referencing again how much your name just keeps showing up in different places, whether it's through you know, shared contacts on LinkedIn or or press releases I get from Parks Associates. Um, and I, I just wondered if you could share, for those who maybe don't take on these types of opportunities, what are some of the benefits and also challenges of that sort of activity while also trying to run a successful business like you are? Yeah, I mean, we're only one one person, right, at the end of the day, and many of us have children and other lives outside of our integration work, it's definitely a challenge. I would share that, you know, really, um, you know, having a podium to be able to teach people about what we do is really important um, because we only know what we do, right? In our industry, while it's been around for a long time, is fairly new to our clients, you know, whether that be a commercial client or a residential client. So, we really kind of see our role here at this company. Our mission is to really be trusted advisors. And as part of that, we're teachers. So a lot of um, what we'll do with press releases or panels or podcasts like this, it's really about helping to kind of frame that conversation and elevate what's capable from our industry. And so I think that there's a lot of value in that for companies like ours. And I know it's hard to kind of lift your head up um, and be able to do it. But I, what I've found is once you start um, and making that kind of part of your day-to-day, whether it be through press releases or speaking or doing community events, it really becomes natural to what you do and something that just provides your company great exposure and a great platform to be able to educate people about what smart homes are or connected homes, whatever terminology you use. And because we've got cool stuff, right? We, I mean, our industry has got the coolest stuff. So I think that, um, you know, as our industry grows, uh, I think more will probably step up and, and do more panels and 
more engagement, to be able to take on that teacher role, to be able to talk about our cool stuff. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, you're, you're talking about what you do. So um, I just spoke to um, Jamie Briesmeister, who's another influential uh, female owner in our industry. And oh, yeah. she, she talks about that imposter syndrome that she sometimes feels when she gets a little overwhelmed. And I, and I think we all get that, whatever we do. Um, but as long as you stick to what it is that you're, you're doing and just talking about your experience and not having to think, well, is this the same experience for all of our peers? You know, it's not necessarily always the same, but your experience is probably pretty typical in a lot of a lot of ways. So it's just about sharing what those insights are and hopefully they they resonate with your audience, right? Yeah. I mean, we're all homeowners, right? So in the home, most of us right. um, in the home technology field and, you know, whether you be, you know, a mother or a father or, or single, right? You utilize a home. So I think that we all have a perspective that, you know, while we might not know um, down to the nth detail what um, that particular technology does, you know, what we try to do is, well, what I try to do is kind of know enough to be dangerous, right? So understand the features, the functions, the benefits of the product line, get certifications when I can um, with the time I have, and then, you know, push through that imposter syndrome because we all have it. We're all kind of sitting at the same place. And the difference is, is like how often we learn and put ourselves in a place of exposure to, you know, learn about new product lines and be able to teach more people about what we do. So I want to talk about your experience with Bose because I think it was quite influential on where you took owning your own company. But before we do, I'd like to also touch on your upbringing and your your childhood and education a little bit, because I think that's a, a really um, insightful part of what we do on the podcast, trying to get to who people are at their core. Were you um, a kid growing up that ever imagined you'd be working in a technology field? Yes, absolutely. Um, my father worked for a company um, called Digital Equipment Corporation, uh, which was one of the first computer manufacturers in the 80s. So he would bring home, you know, the first rendition of a laptop. I remember really clearly seeing the first mouse <laughs> at their corporate center. And I was always fascinated with computers and IT. And then um, I worked for my family's company when I, you know, at 14. I started working for his company, which was um, an IT consulting firm, which had a technical aspect to it. I then went to college at Bentley University. I got my marketing degree, not an IT degree, but I got out and I still had a passion for technology. I was building websites. I was working in coding. And um, I first started working at Reebok, the shoe company mm -hmm. here in Massachusetts, spent a few years there. And then... Um, left to go work at Bose and I spent 15 years there and I essentially grew up from my 20s. I'm 46 now and I couldn't have really landed in a better place in terms of an entrepreneurial environment, um, a great manufacturer, a manufacturer that understood marketing mm -hmm. and then also really um, took great care of their employees and their business partners and really had a lot of focus on that. So I was very, I have a lot of gratitude for my time there at Bose. You know, all of the colleagues that we have, we still keep in touch. And um, it's it was such a phenomenal place to kind of like springboard and start my own company 
six years ago that took a lot of the learning and a lot of the foundational things that Dr. Bose brought to Bose um, to take all the best stuff, bring it into level up, and then broaden it beyond AV um, to really home automation and commercial automation. So Yeah, so that time at Bose, um, you know, I've spoken a little bit about it, but uh, you you were kind of in charge of those retail stores throughout the U.S. and Canada, right? Is it both U.S. and Canada or just U.S.? Yeah, so it's um, U.S. The retail division was actually global. And right. I had a counterpart that was in charge of the North American retail stores, um, John Dobishaw, who's a fantastic colleague. I worked with him for many years. Okay. And they had about 135 stores in the U.S. and Canada. And the business unit I ran for eight years was the installation business unit. So when somebody would go into a Bose store, and Bose stores were all about experiential retail, very kind of magical places. And so when somebody would go into a Bose store and they needed their product installed, televisions, audio systems, indoor and out. And then when those systems became networked a few years in, understanding the network and how that interacts with AV products, that was my business. So we had um, about 100 small mom and pop, for the most part, integrators that were part of my business unit. Um, And we had design consultants in all of our major U.S. markets, New York City, San Francisco, L.A., um, Florida, uh, Atlanta, Seattle, and a call center. So we're pretty much a full um, scale operation. And we ran out of the headquarters in Massachusetts. And I had that for uh, eight years and learned a lot about the Cedia channel. And I went to my first Cedia shows, um, was completely taken aback with how cool and entrepreneurial the industry is, you know, people start, you know, I remember seeing um, somebody like who created their own kind of fishing wire hooks that were at one of my first shows. It was just really ingenuitive. And so I got a taste for that and really fell in love with the industry as a whole. Um, So we would, you know, essentially do all of the installation for that uh, 135 stores in the U.S. and Canada. And then we also had custom design consultants, as I mentioned, that were in major U.S. markets so that we could really extend beyond retail and beyond even the phone and online um, channels that they had and bring that home sales experience to, uh, to customers that wanted really great sound throughout their home. And um, I, we had a great team and I really, really loved working there. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you had a, a, a marketing um, degree. You earned a marketing degree in college, and you said as uh, correctly that Bose is known just for great marketing. And Absolutely. I mean, there there are some from a competitive, cynical sort of point of view from the custom installation channel. A lot of folks over the years kind of like sneered at Bose because Bose was successful doing really great marketing and creating pr- products that are just so elegant uh, and, and ahead of their time. But these guys were doing stuff that's like higher horsepower, kind of, you know, blow your socks off kind of sound systems. And so they thought they were better. Um, not that either one is right or wrong. It's just a, a different approach. And But no one ever discounted Bose's ability to market. What, what about your marketing degree do you think has been so valuable? I, I, I'm trying to help guide my, my own daughter who's in high school now. It's a little early yet, but she's starting to think about college and is really into the arts, but knows that's not necessarily a great 
career move. Um, she would, you know, like to do something tied to maybe communications and and we've said marketing and I I don't have a marketing degree I have a journalism degree what what about your marketing degree is still very beneficial as a business owner before we move on to other stuff I'm just curious on that one Yeah absolutely I think it's a great degree to have because it's very versatile hmm. every business needs marketing and it also is always changing you know the marketing that was happening, for example, at Bose 20 years ago was really heavy in print, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of print advertising, maybe some radio. Uh, nowadays, everything's you know digital or video, right? Video is taken off, and so it's about the visual piece of it. And you know, really, it continues to evolve, just like our industry evolves. Marketing continues to fall. So I think it's a fantastic industry for any young person to get into, for sure. And I think um, how I leverage it here is really looking at the business in a very kind of omni-channel way. I know that's kind of a coined term a lot of people use, but essentially looking at our online storefront, our retail storefront, our uh, phone uh, number that we have, and kind of bringing that together and making sure that we're communicating in a way where clients or business partners, we can meet them where they are, regardless right. of where they are. So I think that having marketing skill set, regardless of degree or partnering with somebody who specializes in it, I think is one of the more important things that we can be doing. Um, and it, you know, will continue to be, a, I think, a great um, degree for her uh, in terms of its versatility. She could take that anywhere. Well, well, what inspired you with your experience at Bose then to branch out and to do your own business uh, plan and, and uh, how, how nerve wracking was that initial step? Because it seems like the idea of having to deal with payroll and create a, <laughs> a business from scratch is super stressful, but um, you, you decided that was where, where you wanted to go. What, what lessons were you taking with you and how did you get started? What, was those, what were those first steps? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always wanted to have my own business since I, when I was really, really young. You know, I'd have my own like lemonade stand. <laughs> I always wanted to have that. And I, you know, I think working for my father's company and his partners starting in high school really let me understand what a startup environment was because he started his company when I was 14. So I kind of understood that. And I also love the energy of it. Mm. Um, there's nothing like the energy of a new company. And in many ways, we kind of run level up like that. I say, like, we can be a different company every three months because our industry changes so much and there's so many opportunities to integrate technology into spaces. Right. So it's very exciting. Um, I think that, you know, one of the benefits we had really was because I'd run it a similar business. Um, similar but different at a national level in the U.S. and Canada, I understood some of the challenges that integrators had um, in terms of time management, scheduling, um, the operational back end of peace. So I had had that. So that fortunately um, really helped me um, understand what I was getting into. And, you know, some of the advice that I have received over the few years from a few mentors, you know, you'll never sleep the same way. That was one my dad gave me completely right. When you have your own business, you, you never sleep the same way again. Um, but it's also very energizing and exciting. And when we wake up and we come in on, on Monday, you know, we're excited to come to work. 
because we get to do really amazing things and help a lot of people with technology. So it's worth it. Um, and so it was a new business. I kind of looked at it like, you know, I understand how this business ran. I ran it at a larger scale. There's definitely things I didn't know, you know, that kind of tripped me up that I didn't see coming. And I think part of that's just um, under understanding um, where your business is in terms of its maturity model. And a startup is certainly risky, but uh, I always wanted to do it. And I'm so glad I did. And uh, I would never turn back. But certainly the first couple of years were uh, pretty interesting, you know. What, what would you consider an early win that you kind of felt like, okay, now we can breathe a little bit? What, what You've got to get that first client, right? So yes, how's that even happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good question. We actually, I, I have, we have it like a lot of companies, they frame their first sale. And um, our first sale came in. And it happened to be a business that was launching and they were having, uh, it was a, a pretzel and frozen yogurt concert concept, and they were going to franchise. So they were going to have a lot of them. And they came to us actually because they wanted some Bose product. Mm. And so we were referred into them and we put in some wall mounted speakers, a little bit of audio, and that was it. It was a $1,500 sale, right? But that, you know, that told us that, all right. You get your first one under your belt and then you figure out how to expand from there. And we started really kind of early adoption on video doorbells, smart locks, access entry uh, systems, networks. Um, you know, it really kind of started with that, you know, AV background. But then very quickly, um, we, we bought and tested as many products as we could. We integrated as many products as we could get our hands on here to really identify, all right, which lines are we going to want to work on? And then um, as we had customers come in, we'd run consultations and it pretty much, um, you know, was very similar. That whole sales uh, engagement process was very similar to what uh, we had at Bose. So it was fortunate uh, that we're able to kind of move and grow quickly. Well, we will continue our conversation with Jennifer Mallet after the break. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Alterco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Jennifer Mallett, founder and CEO of Level Up Your Home in Northborough, Massachusetts. Jen, you were talking about those early wins in your company, and I was thinking um, that the getting that first sale is such a huge uh, accomplishment, but were you at that point doing more of a retail storefront? Was this word of mouth? How were you getting sales initially out of the gate there? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had a showroom in Marlboro. It was more of an office building showroom, unlike what we have now today, which is more experiential. Okay. And, you know, people started to find us through the internet. 
Okay. And we had, you know, good search engine optimization to start. And, you know, certainly somebody Googled something and our name popped up. So that became very helpful. And then, you know, we were able to gain a lot of referral leads from manufacturers that had referral programs. We love those. Um, and that's really how we started to kind of um, accelerate our growth um, was through that. We would bring people into the office slash showroom, which is basically our conference room with a bunch of products <laughs> that were there. And over time, we saw a lot of success with that in terms of giving people an opportunity to see things in a one-to-one -one environment. And so we moved our showroom from Marlboro to Northboro and made it um, where you'd think of as a typical showroom in our industry. So a space where people can see, touch, hear product for themselves before buying and a place where we, we can run events, bring um, partners in like builders and remodelers and interior designers and such um, so that we can uh, you know, give them exposure to all the cool stuff we have. Where did you go from or when did you go from having that single uh, location in Massachusetts to branching out to, I believe you have Louisiana, Florida and Arizona now as locations. Mm -hmm. um, when does that yeah. happen? Yeah, um, we actually when we launched the business, I worked with a number of the integrators that were part of that family we had. And we ended up having about 20 to 25 of them sign on to um, conduct work uh, for us. So we subcontracted them out. The exception of that is Arizona. My brother is in Arizona and he runs Level Up in Arizona. Oh, nice. So Arizona has been with us the whole time. Okay. So we, we ran that for about a year or so. And it was great for our integrator partners because they might not have installed a smart lock yet. Um, they might not have put together a smart garage door system. So we were giving them exposure and training as they were starting to put uh, that into their business. And over time, they started adding that to their existing business. They moved from really AV to automation and getting into categories that previously they thought somebody else would handle. But of course, all the technology in the last five or six years has really made it so much more accessible to people. So we started that way. And then um, we actually started working with um, iRobot on a project uh, that they had for um, a lawnmower robot, which is now public. It's a company, uh, it's a product named Terra. Mm -hmm. um, and they hired us to install them in a couple different markets in the United States. And a light bulb went off in my head when we earned that contract and we started to see it go through. We had in a few different markets, we had those trusted integrators that I, I'd known for, you know, 10 years by now, um, pretty much family train them to carry out the work. And I knew that they were going to provide a really high level of engagement and education to the customer at the home. So I trusted them and that was fantastic. But as we looked to scale up, I thought at the end of the day, we all have our own business, right? And I respect that our integrators will be able to squeeze us in for certain services, but they may have more profitable things to work on and they've got their own things to juggle. So I, I started kind of looking at, all right, how do I expand this business in different markets in a way that is uh, controllable and smart, protects what we've built? And I ended up reaching out to a couple colleagues from Bose who ran um, pretty sizable uh, retail businesses. And uh, we ended up um, 
launching in Orlando this past uh, February. It's actually very, very recent. Okay. And they are building out their showroom right now, and they have their grand opening on May 19th in Orlando, which is fantastic. So Tony and Scott, who are down there, are, you know, people I've worked with for 20 years. And, um, you know, part of their, what they bring really is a lot in terms of experiential retail. We have really the same background. Um, you know, we've, uh, we all spent a lot of time together. So it's, it's, it's expansion, but really kind of controllable expansion. Mm. And the same thing in Louisiana, I had a business partner, um, who, uh, her name is Mache and she's run, um, a number of businesses and really loves home automation and was interested in getting certifications and launching her own business there. So we are launched there as well. So, both of those are new markets. We have Orlando, Tampa, and um, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and Lake Charles, where we operate. And then Arizona and um, the Boston area, we are, you know, company kind of owned operations. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so many times when you talk to custom integrators at a conference or, or interview, I'm interviewing them, the, the topic of what are your key brands kind of comes up and it's, it's almost a way of feeling out what kind of level a, a company is. And I know you've mentioned to me that you're targeting mid-market, which is a unique mm -hmm. approach. Um, what, could you name some of the brands that you feel are kind of at the core of what you do at this current moment? I know it changes and evolves, but what are some of those yeah, key brands? I, yeah, I think, um, so one of our approaches, and I, so I'll speak like the Boston area, we have a number of the, um, brands that we all know. So we're a Control Force certified showroom in Boston. Um, I'm a Control Force certified programmer. Uh, when I started that dealership, um, I was told there aren't a lot of women yet that go through that process. And I went through that training and became certified to do that. We also carry Savant and URC, a couple of the other name brands. And mm -hmm. then some of the um, really kind of what you think of as mass market you know, we have a great relationship with Ring Pro X. We love that line of product. Um, we have, we're kind of constantly in a place where as the business and the industry evolves, you people come to you, right? So you have reps that come to you and they say, you know, here's, a, here's my latest shiny thing. <laughs> um, so our process really there, and this is one of the things that we're able to help um, our other businesses out with is we really take those products in, we test them, we vet them, we integrate them with everything soup to nuts. And um, to really understand what's going to be worth it for us to carry in our product line, what company is not going to be bought tomorrow, <laughs> right, and completely change what company is going to be in business in three to five years so that we can make sure that we're future proofing our solutions for our clients. Um, and so we certainly have in the Boston and Arizona area some of that higher end stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that we'll add more of that um, in Orlando and Louisiana over time. The, the mid-market really, it, when you look at, and I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the, the research that's come out and mentioned Parks has got fantastic stuff and all the growth that's going to be happening. You know, we, we need people to do that, right? We need a system to do that. And there really isn't any other industry, I think, and you think may think too, we might be a little biased, than our industry to be able to take care of this growth. Right. You're really looking at um, 20, 25% compound annual growth rate over the next five years. 
And not all of that is going to be basic stuff, right? DIY stuff. There's going to be stuff in the middle. And so, you know, we really believe that, you know, as part of that, we want to be prepared to service people in multiple markets and help educate people and be their trusted advisor as all these technologies kind of grow and as there's more of an appetite to have it in their house. And automation now is, you know, not just for the rich and famous, right? Right. It's for um, certainly the everyday person. Mm-hmm. That's a big change over the last five to 10 years. It's for people with special needs and special abilities to be able to live in a different way. So, um, you know, we're really focused on that mid-market because we think it needs to be serviced. And certainly the high-end market, there's a huge place for that. And that there's so many great integrators that do such an amazing job there. And we certainly service that market, but we really um, see the mid-market as a place where we can provide a lot of value. Yeah. And I think that just anecdotally that I experience with my mid-market friends, <laughs> essentially, they they may have a beautiful house that's a lot nicer than my house, and they will want to put in uh, audio, multi-room audio. They kind of know a little bit about it, maybe through Sonos or something that's a little more of a marketing presence. And yeah. they they don't want to do it themselves. And then the, and I, I, t- I promote our industry, and I say there's a great custom integrator. There's a bunch of great custom integrators in our area. And they get sticker shock immediately, and they just like that's not really what I can do. Uh, and so, what you're talking about is really for that type of a customer. And and there's such a there is a great opportunity there. It's not mass market. It's this tier just below that wealthier, you know, typical client that our industry tends to work with because it's just a little easier to deal with that price point, you know, I guess, and profitability and everything else. Yeah. And I think it, you know, the value proposition is different now than it was 10 years ago as well, right? So, you know, the next generation of homeowners, they grew up with iPhones and iPads and Android devices and um, not a lot of, um, not a lot of friction in their life, sort of, sort of different, right? Things of, they're, they're an automated, um, they've been able to get information like this. I kind of call them generation instant. Mm. So I think that the value of automated shades or multi-zone audio, you know, for them to spend five, 10, 15, let's say $20,000 if they're building a new home or, or maybe it's more like 50, whatever it is, there's, they see the value in that. And whereas maybe their parents didn't so much. Um, so I think that, you know, the world has changed too. And, um, you know, right now there's not a lot of places that those, those people can get serviced, mm-hmm. you know, certainly, um, with a retail experience and a, you know, really kind of end to end from consultation to service experience for them that they've got somebody that they know they're going to call, right. The probably geek squad would probably be the only, yeah, that's the, that's the cl- easiest one to pinpoint. And even that's really not on the radar of everyone. And, uh, just the network alone, just that trusted advisor f- to have your own person you can call. Why isn't my why is my network always going down? Why is my Wi-Fi not working when I go to this part of the house? That type of a person just is so hard to find these days when you need them, and it's such an essential part, especially post pandemic time period. Yeah. You know, we all need that. Um, well, 
one of the things I noted from your website as we kind of wrap up here is mm -hmm. some of the early stage technologies that you're promoting that I love to ask integrators about, but typically it's a little too early to really speak in specifics or actual application. But you, you mentioned smart energy, EV charging, mm -hmm. smart air and smart and water tech on your website, mm -hmm. which to put those in little areas of uh some like categories for your website is a pretty big bold statement that hey i do something in this area what do you do in those areas that um would be cool to learn about and how, how do you tackle those areas yeah absolutely so i'll start with energy and you know for anyone who's kind of looking at energy or understanding and reading about it you know our cars will be electrified right, within a period of time. And certainly there's a lot of debate about how fa fast that will happen, right? Um, but at the end of the day, our energy usage, right, in our home and in our vehicles is one of the things that we can really start to control. And there's a lot of different benefits with that, right? There's climate benefits, there's um, cost benefits, and people respond to different things. In the energy space, we um, install and program EV chargers. So, um, you know, that is great to have that in the residential space. Most people are familiar with ChargePoints or EVgo and the, the commercial application for that. We also have commercial application. The residential application is, you know, that unit that is installed in a garage or can be installed outside and the customer comes in, it works with all vehicles. And they charge and they're able to schedule their charge on off peak times, right? You want to charge your vehicle after 10 p.m. because peak is between 7 p.m. and 10 mm -hmm. um, and be able to charge it so that you're not spending so much on, on gas when the grid is really kind of overloaded. We also work within the energy sector for systems that are installed actually into the panel that allows people to see what the usage is mm -hmm. in their house, what time of day. So that they're able to kind of see like, look, my dehumidifier in my basement is costing me X, Y, Z dollars monthly and or can be controlled in a different way that is better um, cost wise or for the environment, whatever the person's perspective is. So there's that. There's um, you know, many people are familiar with smart outlets and smart plugs also does the same thing. So um, energy, I think, you know. People read up on the research, it's certainly going to happen. Our fleet of vehicles is also moving electric. So our last vehicle purchase that we have is a, um, it's actually a Jeep Wrangler. That's uh, a hybrid electric that it's mine because I'm like, I'm going to get the first one, <laughs> plug it into my house, right? Um, and we'll have one outside our showrooms as well for people to be able to, when they come visit us, they can charge their Tesla or whatever they have right at our property and they can come in and experience our products. So um, that's an exciting area. I love smart energy. It can be work with solar. It can work without solar. There's a lot of opportunities for integrators to partner with solar companies, electricians. Um, there's the one last piece about energy is there's the stored power um, portion of it, which is essentially having a battery for your home. So instead of having large generators, right, you have batteries. Mm -hmm. And you can stack those up over time and it won't be too long when the cars are actually able to charge your house. Or if you have electricity that goes down, your car can help support the energy in your house until that electricity is back up and running. So 
in a way, you know, we really see that as replacing generators because they're controllable. You can control them through Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you're able to, if you have solar, you don't have to have solar, but you're able to essentially get off the grid, right? You can yeah. power your batteries, store that for when you want it, deploy it during high peak times. Um, so you can lower your energy bill or just not have an energy bill, mm-hmm. which would be, I think, a fantastic thing. Look at fuel pr- prices right now, right? right. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a big push, push for people to get into EV. And once they test drive those vehicles and see how fast they are, how they accelerate and how well they run and they wave by gas stations, we're going to see a big hockey stick acceleration there in the next two to three years. Well, I, I, I see EV vehicles all over the place here uh, in the Midwest, and and it's typically the the adoption curve for any anything that's a trend or new development in the Midwest, it's typically a lag time, but here they are very much uh, accepted. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and we have charging stations, at least in our area, but uh, some home, homes have them as well. I, I just haven't heard a lot of custom integrators uh, getting into that work yet, even though we cover it as a magazine, it's definitely a, a trend and, and including the, the, the panel, uh, monitor pieces and all all of that. So that's really progressive and proactive on your part. What about the smart air and water tech part of it? Uh, Some of that's probably leak leak prevention or detection, right? We have leak uh, prevention detection. Um, We also have um, water filtration systems. We partner with plumbers to put those in. Okay. Um, So certainly air quality and water quality of utmost importance. And what we're seeing, especially with some of our younger demographics as they care about that Mm -hmm. um, more than um, some other generations, not to generalize people, but we're seeing that um, be of importance. Um, There's a lot more children with asthma nowadays, um, things like that. So we incorporate that in as part of our, our design as we work with clients, smart air quality, smart water quality and energy are all categories. So whether or not they're interested in it today or not, as part of that consultation, when we're working with them, we're educating them to let them know that those are things that they can add down the road. Um, So those are really, you know, as you said, like those are early kind of early in their stages, but we really see the the benefit to consumers. And while it's not 50% of our business right now, it helps us diversify our product line, provides more value and also, the product lines we find meaningful and we care about. Absolutely, great, great message on that, and and it's great that you're you're tackling it and uh, not just sort of talking about it. Like I, I think it tends to be the case. It's like it would be nice to do that, but we're not there yet. You're you're able to just dive right in and and provide that as a service. So great work on that. Thank you. And I would just advise like anyone who's in the industry who's thinking about it, you know, the way we do it is we we get the product in. There's mm. nothing like putting your hands on the product, installing it in your house, and then you've got your head around it and you can see whether or not it's something you want to add to your business. For sure. Well, Jen, I, I we'll, we'll end there. I've, I've taken enough of your time, but best of luck for the remainder of 2022. Thanks so much for taking the time talking today. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure. And um, I look forward to a strong uh, 2022. Jennifer Mallet is 
founder and CEO of Level Up Your Home in Northboro, Massachusetts. You can find Jen on LinkedIn and learn more about her company at levelupautomation.com. That wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.